that in order to meet this moment, we have to recognize our California comeback. I think in my time, this is a very unusual and a very unique time. What I'm saying about the state today, it's an enterprising, modernizing, pluralizing, unionizing nation state. Welcome back to the California Nation podcast. I'm your host, Gil Duran, the opinion editor of the Sacramento Bee. And our guest today is Dr. Alex Schmaltz. He's a Sacramento area emergency doctor who last spring volunteered to go to New York City and work in hospitals dealing with the spring COVID-19 surge there. So many people died in New York, as many of us can probably remember, that bodies had to be stored in refrigerated trucks and funeral homes were unable to keep up with demand. Bodies piled up and many people had to be buried in mass graves. Dr. Schmaltz was in New York during part of this horrific period, and now he's back in Sacramento and afraid that we may be witnessing another tragedy with COVID-19. Hospitals are filling up up and down the state and ICUs are reaching capacity. And despite the surging infections and deaths, some Californians still aren't taking the coronavirus seriously enough and don't seem to fully understand the threat we're dealing with. Dr. Schmaltz has a simple message for Californians this holiday season, stay home. In an op-ed that will be published in the B this Sunday, Dr. Schmaltz implores Californians to understand the risk, to follow the rules, and to avoid becoming a casualty or making someone else a casualty of COVID-19. Dr. Schmaltz, welcome to California Nation. Hi, Gil, thanks for having me. You volunteered last spring to go to New York during the COVID-19 surge. What was that experience like and how did it affect you? Yeah, that experience um, showed me just how much of a disaster COVID-19 can cause. Um, it is was unlike anything we've seen in California. The That city and most of the worlds got caught by surprise um, without realizing how devastating this virus can be. The, the city became overwhelmed and the hospital system there was stretched uh, well past the point of breaking. The, the hospital that we were working at had a 16 bed medical ICU before COVID, um, but they, by the time we got there, there was over 170 intubated patients. That means 170 patients who needed an ICU so over the course of a couple of weeks during the surge, they had to drastically convert everything in their hospital to become an ICU or to become COVID oriented. Um, when we were there, when we arrived, almost 100% of the entire hospital, all 11 floors was COVID positive patients. Um, it is something that we haven't seen in California and I really hope that we never see here. Well, after a brief period where it did seem like the virus was in a decline, it's back with a vengeance, the so-called third wave. And experts had said it would probably spring back and become more of a threat during the winter months. And now we see deaths and infections surging in California. We're all back in, the, in, in a partial lockdown, at least. What do you say, based on your experience, both in New York and what you're seeing now, what would you say to people who still don't think this virus is a serious threat to them and to their families and who scoff at the rules? So, so I'd say two things in particular. Um, the first is that this virus is real and it is very scary. Um, this is evidenced by the fact that 
uh, one month ago, November, November 7th, we had 280 cases in Sacramento County in a day. That's how many cases we had in, in that day. A month later, this, this virus ramped up so quickly that we had 1,183 cases on, on December 7th, just a month. That's how quickly this virus can ramp up and spread and has the potential to, to overwhelm a healthcare system. We're seeing these cases double pretty much every one and a half to two weeks right now. Um, that is the scariest thing about COVID-19 is that if we let our guard down, this can, this can flow over a healthcare system and push it to or past the point of breaking very quickly. The second thing I would say to, to the public um, is that you can make a difference and we need your help. The, the measures that we had in place throughout all of the spring and up until now, up until um, November, October, they kept COVID-19 low. You might not have seen how much life this saved, how, many, uh, how much suffering this saved, but it made a huge, huge difference. And the things that you do, the, the behavior that you have, staying at home, not seeing family, wearing masks, getting a vaccine when we have one that's widely available, that all makes a huge difference. And it, it really affects the, what we see in the emergency department, what we see in the hospital and the amount of people who uh, suffer and ultimately can, can die from this virus. It, it seems that our leaders really want to focus on the positive news and, and make sure people know that you know, there's a vaccine and that help is coming and we're gonna get past this. But it seems like people who have been on the front lines of this and seen what this infection, this disease does to people have a lot of urgency in their voice that is maybe not communicated, that has not come across clearly to the public. Can you tell us a little bit about what you and other doctors who are dealing with their, this are seeing every day? What are the, the hallmarks of dealing with this disease? Yeah, um, I think the first thing that's really important is how quickly what we see on a daily basis can change. So a month ago, I, I maybe saw one or two COVID patients per shift, per eight hour shift when I saw maybe it's 20%, 10% of my patient volume. One of my last shifts, I saw over 10 COVID patients. It was over 50% of my patient volume. And um, four of those patients were relatively healthy individuals and I admit, admitted them to the ICU. They, they were, there were some young ones. There was some people in their twenties. There's another one in the thirties. Um, and then there was a, there's someone in their seventies and someone in their sixties and the, they have the potential to decompensate really quickly and to, to get really, really sick and on the verge of death. And the person who was in his seventies, um, is actually intubated now and, and in the ICU, they're still all still in the ICU and it's, it's scary. It's scary how quickly this disease can change from what we're seeing every single day to something that, that is kind of a side note or a footnote uh, to our, our daily shift to something that is basically every patient uh, or, or most of the patients that we're seeing, um, we are considering COVID or, or treating COVID. Do you think if the average person will be able to just catch a glimpse of what doctors see every day that there'd be a lot more compliance with the rules and stay-at-home orders? Absolutely. I, I was struck by that very strongly when I was in New York. They, 
you can't see patients with COVID-19 when they get really sick. That's, that's one of the biggest disconnects here. And one of the scariest and most heartbreaking things is that when people get sick with COVID-19, they're alone, they're by themselves. Families can't see them on a ventilator. They can't see them in a medically induced coma. They can't see as their organs fail and we put them on dialysis and they can't see all of the things that happen because if they come in, then they could get sick and they could spread the virus. And I, I really vividly remember, it was just a heartbreaking moment in, uh, in New York when we, we had a patient who, who was dying and we'd, we'd done everything that we could possibly do for him. And the only thing we could do for the family was to bring an iPad in with the chaplain and, and let them view through a video their family member as they died. And you could feel this resonating home in an extremely powerful way with the family. I was holding back tears with one of my colleagues as we just listened to the family's howls and sobs and watched the life leave one of our patients. And I think if people could see how heartbreaking that is and how, how devastating this scenario has been for people, they would really understand. And this isn't an isolated thing. That's, you know, 70% of the patients we had in that ICU died. And, and over 300,000 people across the US have died in similar fashion, alone and in the care of strangers. And that's, that's creates a big disconnect for the public because they can't see that, but it's also a just genuinely heartbreaking scenario to watch because there's no healing that's involved and people can't see and heal with their patients or with their families and be there and have the catharsis that they need. Do doctors ever hear regrets from people who wind up in the hospital with COVID? Do they do, do people wish they had, you know, those who have maybe violated the rules or gone out and done things they shouldn't do, do people ever have a change of heart once they're actually in the hospital and think, hey, maybe I should have taken this more seriously. And, and once they end up in the bad place, so I, I haven't seen a ton of regret, but I've seen a lot of surprise. And, and I, I also don't like to play the, the blame game. I, I know that this is a hard sacrifice for everybody. Um, it's really hard not to see your family. So I, I, I understand that that makes a huge impact on people. Um, and, and so the, the regret is not something I've seen a ton of, but I've seen a lot of people who are surprised by the fact that they could have COVID-19. And they thought that this was just something that happened to other people and that something that was maybe overblown by the media or that was something that affected um, other people. And and that's an overwhelming thing that I've seen a lot of. And it's important not to, you know, there's this idea that we shouldn't blame people for wanting to see their families. At the same time, we're now seeing a spike that many attribute to Thanksgiving get-togethers. And Mm -hmm. it seems like private get-togethers in homes is really driving the spread of this thing. Uh, what would you say to people who think, hey, I'm not gonna let a virus keep me from spending time with my family for the holidays. I'm not gonna let COVID-19 ruin New Year's Eve. Uh, you know, if you could say one word to one person who's thinking that way, here we are a week out from Christmas, you know, two weeks out from New Year's Eve, what, what would you say to them? This virus can affect you. And I also feel your struggle 
uh, it was my birthday yesterday. And, and if I could have had any present in the entire world, it would have been to see my mom, my dad, and my sister. And uh, that is the thing that I want most. So I, I feel you're struggling with this, but I also see how bad this can be if we don't follow those basic guidelines. Um, I, I see every day people who are surprised that they got COVID because they went to these gatherings. And I see people who are coming in with their loved ones that they went to those gatherings with and their loved ones might be really sick. Sometimes they really are. And then there's this, this crazy amount of guilt that people have because you can't, you don't know if you gave that to them. This is something you can spread and it might not hurt you, but it can really hurt people that you love. And it does have an effect and that behavior will make people sick and will make people die. You're a relatively new doctor. Uh, are you coming into your profession at a, this moment in history where it's sort of a really hard time to be a doctor dealing with this global pandemic? Do you have any regrets at all? Or how, how have you personally handled coming into your profession, being a doctor in the middle of so much death and so much illness? I don't have any regrets. I, there is no other job that I would rather do. Um, and I, I think that most of my colleagues would say the same thing. It is, it is wearing right now. Um, it is a very uh, challenging time to be a healthcare provider in a lot of regards. And that, that's something that, that is, it's, a, it's heavy a little bit. It's not that I regret, because I'm so glad that I have the opportunity to make a, a, some sort of impact right now. And that, that makes me feel better about being in this situation as a community that I feel like I can make some impact and I can help in some way. And, and I'm really glad to have that. I think all of us in healthcare are probably really glad to have that opportunity. We also would encourage the community to realize that they also have this impact to do things like wear a mask and stay at home. And they can make just as big, if not bigger of an impact than we can in the hospital. Cause that's really where the change is gonna happen. We can only affect people once they come to the hospital with COVID or other medical issues. But the, the thing that prevents COVID from spreading rapidly is, is the work that you guys do out in the community and at home. Anything I didn't ask you feel it's important to say? You can make a difference. There, there are a few major things that we'd like to ask that everybody helps with. Um, the first one is, is please stay at home. That's the focus of this piece, but there are other ways in which you can help. The, the vaccine is almost here. It's, it's really important that we, we try and get as many people vaccinated as possible because that will help us get back to a normal life and it will help prevent people from dying when they don't need to die. The, the other thing is, is uh, I still, we need you to get the care that, that you need. We are here for you. We are seeing people who are pushing off care for their strokes and their heart attacks and their high blood pressure and their diabetes. And that's because there's a fear of COVID-19. But we're also seeing really bad outcomes from some of those things. So if we do the things in our daily lives, like wear a mask, get the vaccine, don't go to large gatherings, that will make a huge difference. But we also need to do the things that we normally do in medicine and, and 
that is take care of the stuff that's not COVID because that stuff is very serious as well. And we are here for you. Please come see us. We want to take care of you. Um, and the other thing is, is uh, I feel your struggle. This is, this is a hard time for everyone. We're nearing the finish line. We have a vaccine. There is light at the end of the tunnel. We need your help until we get to that light at the end of the tunnel. Please help us. Dr. Schmaltz, thank you for your time today. Happy birthday and good luck out there. Thank you.